Hey, listeners, welcome to the AC Podcast. I am here with the one and only Steve Kim. Hello, and I am the one and only dialogue partner for Troy today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's we're, just you and me today. I know. It's uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be fun. Um, we have a lot coming up with AC here, so the team is taking care of multiple things. I think Wes is on a plane, so as much as we tried to get him to turn his Wi-Fi on, he was against it, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if uh, people are wondering what's going on, by the time you're listening to this, the whole Apologetics Canada team is getting together to take care of some business stuff in person and also spend some time building community, those kinds of things. Because one of the challenges of having you know, colleagues all over this massive country is that sometimes you can feel a little isolated. So it's yeah. it's good to take that intentional time to bond uh, and it's good for the organization and it's good for our souls too so that's right yeah it's really exciting because this will be the first time uh, at least for me since fully joining ac that i'll have seen steve not pixelated or andy well no i've seen andy a few times but everyone else is either via voice chat video chat so it'll be good uh to get together and and just have some time to hang out so um, yeah, lots going on. I know a lot of people um, that are listening to this by now at least should have heard about our the launch event that we had. We had a lot of um, cool things on the horizon, so we're, it's going to be really good to just get together now and uh, and and have some camaraderie before the the, cr- the real craziness starts as we go into the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Troy, you had something very specific that you wanted to talk about, given sort of you know, the AC Leadership Summit that's coming up in February. So this is where your headspace is at. So tell our listeners, what are you thinking of these days? What am I thinking of these days? Man, my my brain is wrapped around all things identity, uh, leadership, and accountability. And, And it's funny because those are things that in the last few years have really started to make themselves more and more prevalent. Me being a recording artist, uh, I think about us as dads and, and husbands, responsibility is constantly growing and shifting and changing. And, and I've been really trying to get an angle of like, okay, Lord, what does that really look like for people of influence, for people, uh, you know, like us on the podcast, you, you listeners out there, we recognize that the territory that we are in comes with a, a higher level of responsibility and accountability. The things we say on here, the things we allow when we have an interviewer, it's very, very important that we don't take it lightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's not that we're looking for perfection here, right? Everybody's going to make mistakes at some point. Yeah. And that's where accountability comes in is again, nobody's perfect, but when something goes down and when you make a mistake, you should do your best to kind of be held accountable for it, whatever that may look like. Yeah, absolutely. And that that launches us right into our topic today. For those of you that pay attention to the news or you are involved in the music industry, pay attention to what's going on in music at all, you will know that uh, this this past weekend on November 5th, there was a terrible tragedy in uh, in Houston, Texas. Um, There's an artist by the name of Travis Scott, and he had a festival. It was going to be a two-day festival called Astro World. And unfortunately, in the evening at around 9.30 p.m., it, would have, it was Friday night, there were, uh, there were eight people killed 
and hundreds injured in what is being described as um, basically a trampling, uh, moshing gone wrong. Mm-hmm. The best way to say that, a horrible, horrible tragedy. And there's a lot of questions that are coming up around there as to whether or not could this have been prevented. And so as we talk today, we're, we want to touch on the different aspects of leadership and accountability, because uh, one of the main narratives that are, is being talked about in here is, is this Travis Scott's fault? And that, that is something that is, has got a lot of people with divided opinions. Now, there's some nuance to it, of course, but there is a challenge here when you look at the background of of Travis Scott and his fan base and those sorts of things that many would say, hey, this was a domino effect. This was well on its way. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, I mean, I don't know too, I don't know Travis Scott too well, um, but from what I understand, there is a bit of a, well, as far as opinions go, right, as is typically the case on social media, there are both people sort of trying to protect Travis Scott's reputation and others who are blaming him for everything that has happened and, and he needs to take responsibility, those kinds of things. And um, I am coming at this without too many preconceived notions because I don't know Travis Scott too well. Um, so when I look at it from that perspective, um, first what I want to do is just kind of express empathy, right? Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, lives have been lost. Dozens of people have been injured. Uh, As I was reading that article that you sent me, Troy, I was uh, watching this video, this interview of a guy who lost his brother, who was trying to protect his fiancée, and he gave his life protecting her. And those kinds of things are, I mean, lives have been lost. Uh, People who bear the image of God in, in some ways have been you know, well, I would say they have been senselessly killed um, it, because of this. Some, I, I don't know what you want to call it. Maybe some kind of a mob mentality that yeah. took over, which can happen at a concert like this, right? When everybody's hyped up and those kinds of things. And at the center of it all, right, is this person, Travis Scott, who probably has the biggest influence of all people there. Yep. Right. And so that then the question is raised. Okay. How much is Travis Scott responsible for what happened there? Because he wielded, in a sense, so much power in this right. situation. Right, and and that is like like Steve said, that is that is the the biggest thing out of all of this, even bigger than Travis, is that yeah, there, there were lives lost. There was a nine year old who was there, and you know, it's it's not the time to get into debates like, oh, a nine year old shouldn't have been there. Why was a nine year old there? Well, the nine year old was there with his parent. Mm-hmm. Throughout history, parents will expose their children to music, and that is what it is. It's not. It's not up for a uh, an ethics debate as whether or not that child should be listening to that music. That's that's really not the point here. And I think sometimes when we're we're looking at situations like this, as much as we're trying to use it as a learning as a learning opportunity, we sometimes go off base into these little tiny arguments and spats because it's hard to because to just stay focused on the main point of the issue, which is this is a tragedy and how could we, how can we stop this? It requires calling people to the carpet, right? It calls, Hey, okay. We really got to take an inward look at ourselves, look at the layers to this, but also represent, also recognize that leadership comes from the top down as an artist on both sides of the coin. I completely Mm -hmm. emphasize with, with Travis Scott. Why? Because in the industry, you're taught the show must go on. 
right? You you are yeah. taught to stay laser focused on what your job is. What is your job? Your job is to perform. Your job is to entertain. Your job isn't to do crowd management. You, now, certain artists and, and settings can call for that. You know, I've been at my own shows where I've had to stop the show and said, hey, stop stop beating people over the head with those uh, those light up cones you guys got. I've, I've had to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is at a Christian show. I've had to do that. Now, it's not me saying that people can't have fun. Not me saying people can't express themselves because I'm not in control of you individually. But this is where I come. This is my main argument is you do have um, a responsibility, should you, whether you choose it or not, to steward that environment that people are in. Yeah. You know, that's really interesting. The point that you bring up was illustrated for me really well when I was at my very first musical concert. Um, I, I was never one to go to concerts like that. Um, the first time I ever went to one was in my early 20s, and it was at Lincoln Park's Meteora Tour. Wow. Um, <laughs> That's a good show. It was at the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver. Yeah, it was it was really fun. And, you know, a, a bunch of guys opened up for them, right? Like Hoopa Stank yeah. and P.O.D. was one of them. Jeez, that would have been a crazy and, and show. I, oh, it was just so much fun. And I, you know, I came away with my ears ringing, and I <laughs> shortly after that, I got myself a pair of uh, those custom-made earplugs. Oh yeah, oh <laughs> so you got to. Well, my and I'm a musician too, right? So when you just get those foam earplugs, you know what happens, right? The, the, the all the sounds it just goes out of whack. The bass is really boomy, and, yeah. and the top gets all cut off or whatever. So I got one of those sound attenuators that brings everything down more or less evenly. So I, I got myself, I treated myself to one of those. But anyway, <laughs> when I went there, I remember P.O.D. came out just before Linkin Park came out. And they were, I believe they were playing Youth of the Nation. It was a big hit at the time. Wow. And they actually invited a bunch of teenagers to come up to the stage Right. And they were there and they were singing together. And then as they were all being let down from the stage one at a time, this one girl, I guess she kind of hurt herself. So she was sitting on the edge of the stage. And here's Sonny, the singer. Sonny Sandoval. He's, yeah, he's right there with her. And he's still singing. The show's still going on, but he made sure that she got off the stage safely by the security. And, and he, so it was I thought that was a really good way of, you know, making sure that the girl is safe, but the show did go on. And then um what happened after that was this guy from a local radio station in Vancouver came out, right? You know, and and, and this is Vancouver, right? So and this is a rock concert and people are smoking marijuana and all that kind of <laughs> yeah. stuff. And this guy comes out and he's like, So we have a problem here. There are people smoking marijuana. There are people smoking pot in here. And they're not sharing, right? <laughs> and then there's like all of this. All of a sudden, I, I start seeing this puff of smoke going in a chain, like one after another, kind of thing. I was like, and I thought to myself, wow, like that's the influence that you have from the stage, right? And that's the kind of you can actually influence people's behavior. Yeah. So as I'm looking at this, I'm like, okay, to an extent, people who are actually you know passing pot down, they're responsible for their actions. Yeah. But how much was that uh, radio guy responsible for it, right? Because he, he, and this is the thing, right? When he said that, he wasn't thinking, oh man, like I might get totally like, 
you know, arrested for like this is totally wrong. Like he he was he wasn't thinking that. Nope. He knew exactly what he was doing because he he knew if he said this, then it's going to sort of you know rile people up. They're going to have more fun and they're actually going to do what he's suggesting. Yep. Right. So in that sense, he's very much responsible for what he was saying. Yeah. It, it exactly, and that's that's that is the one thing about this whole scenario where out of all the things i say this is where travis scott dropped the ball but it wasn't just this weekend that weekend mm. it, it it's an unfortunate thing but he has a rap sheet um of inciting chaos. He's actually been arrested for it. In 2015, he was charged with disorderly conduct after encouraging fans in Chicago to ignore security and rush the stage. Two years later, he spotted a fan hanging from a venue's second story balcony and tried to persuade them to jump. At the same concert, a 27-year-old fan was paralyzed after being pushed off a third floor balcony. In 2019, mm. hundreds of fans rushed the Astral World barriers with three people going to the hospital with minor injuries. Police wrote on Twitter that the event was understaffed and that promoters did not plan sufficiently for the large crowds, although the statement was later deleted. And so it, right. it, it's, it's a tough thing to defend in saying he, w he had no way of knowing. He had no way of. And I'm just like, no, he under any artist that does it says I didn't understand my influence in 2021. There is no excuse for that. I'm sorry. Like, we are so driven by social media, instant gratification, that someone like Travis Scott, he posts a picture on Instagram. He's going to get thousands of comments, thousands of likes, thousands of shares. There's an immediate response to every single thing he does. Earlier this year, I just saw he went to a 7-Eleven. Now, if I'm that big of an artist... I got to know, I got to pick my times here. As much as I may want to go live a normal life, once you get to a certain level, you, you, you can't. And he went to a 7-Eleven and people rushed it. And we're trying to break down the glass to get to him, trying to break down the doors. And he's climbing on top of people like, yeah, and screaming and all those mm -hmm. sorts of things. And, and, it's the, it's, and it's just this very vain fandomonium that is actually, unfortunately, led it to a series of events that led us to now people dying in partnership. The whole event was in partnership with live nation. Travis Scott has lawsuits against him. Live nation has lawsuits against them. Live nation's even done shows for Chris Tomlin. Like they're huge, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. uh, even his friend Drake who came out to do a portion of the show has a lawsuit against him. Right. And it's now it's, it's these things where the ball has been dropped in the realm of, responsibility within your influence and i have a hard time seeing past that i guess yeah i think that's where leadership we need to talk about leadership right you have that kind of influence that kind of impact in people's lives through social media and what have you i mean one of the challenges with leadership whether whether you like it or not when you have that kind of influence you're a leader yeah. Right. Because people are going to follow what you say. People are going to follow your lead, and that's why you're you're a leader. Yeah. Um, sometimes leadership is is taken. Other times leadership just happens. Uh, in the case of many social media influencers, it's not like they started out thinking I'm going to be such a leader in the world kind of thing. You know, they just one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden you see, you know hundreds of thousands of people or even millions of people following you on Instagram and what have you. Now, whether you like it or not, you're a leader because people are going to hang on 
to what you say. But here's the thing. Uh, one of the hallmarks of leadership is taking responsibility for what happens. Absolutely. So recently at the church where we serve, we talk, we've been talking about the issues of egalitarianism, complementarianism. Now, for those listeners who may be unfamiliar with this, maybe you are new to the sort of the evangelical Christian world, but there is a debate in, in some circles about whether women should be allowed to have a leading role in the church. Mm. Now, the complementarian side says, well, men and women have different roles in the church. So certain roles are reserved for men, other roles are reserved for women, those kinds of things. The egalitarian side says, no, whatever role you take has to be on the basis of the gifting of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit gives women a uh, you know, a gift for leading, then they should be leading, you know, those kinds of things. Now, both sides agree that roles don't determine human value, um, although that's how a lot of, you know, our culture wants to take it that way. But anyway, the reason I bring that up is because when we, even in the church, when we talk about leadership, we often think of it in terms of power and privilege, but it's, I don't want to sound like Uncle Ben, but really with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so in the church, at least, we need to start looking at leadership primarily as a one of responsibility, right? So the example that I often use is of the military, because I used to have a, a roommate who was in the military, and he told me about how there is a time when all the you know, soldiers would come together, you know, they would basically take their ranks off and talk about what just happened, what went right, what went wrong, kind of a thing. You know, this is a time when they can freely speak their minds. And then the uh, commanding officer or whoever the higher up is, they, they have to make a call. Once they make a call, though, and they do something and then it goes south, right? It goes sideways or whichever direction you don't like, then that leader cannot come before the court and say, well, it was so-and-so's idea, Yeah. right? Because their response is inevitably going to be, no, you're the leader, you made the call, you assume the responsibility for this. You right. can't blame someone else, right. right? And so, yeah, sometimes when you find yourself in the position of leadership, you have to remind yourself that you are responsible. It's it starts with humility, like anytime you see leadership come up in scripture, humility is right alongside of it. You know, wh whether the Lord has called someone to be a leader, they get humbled in some way, shape or form, right? Uh, look at Peter. He, he had to be humbled. And I think that's lost nowadays. Mm, yeah. We elevate people and we, you know, based on their gifts, based on their abilities and all those sorts of things. But if we don't, have an accountability around us that says, Hey man, just remain humble, move like, uh, and this is, this is the challenge for me, I guess I can't hold Travis Scott to that standard, right? Because he's not living for God. He's not trying to be a Christian. Right. And so if I were to have a conversation with him, it, it, it's different. Mm -hmm. But when we're speaking as believers, it's a perfect example of what happens when we're not moving with a godly understanding of accountability and leadership because humility would say, maybe I shouldn't put my face all over the posters and the banners and all those. Maybe I, maybe I should not saying anyone can't have a tour with their face on it. I'm not saying that, but it's the awareness that if something goes wrong, this is on me. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, and Travis Scott, he, he said, calls himself the, the CEO. He is said to be the CEO of, uh, of his, his minor label, those sorts of things. Okay, so if you are the CEO and something goes wrong, you don't get to then be the artist all of a sudden. It's, when something goes wrong, I get to hold you to the CEO level of accountability. Yeah. And, and humility is such an important marker of leadership, especially in, you know, in the church, because at the end of the day, what every Christian is called to do is be like Christ. And those that are in leadership positions of all people should exhibit that humility that Christ showed better than, than anyone, right? And so, you you look at what Jesus did, like his leadership style wasn't one of power and privilege, but it was more of restraint and humility, always putting other people before himself, right? I mean, I think about the story of the feeding of the 4,000, where, you know, he, he was just told that his cousin, John, John the Baptist, has, he was killed. Yeah. Right. Now he he wants time to grieve. I mean, for goodness sake, like John and Jesus, they had a bond right from like before they were born even. Remember that story of Mary visiting Elizabeth and John jumping for joy in Elizabeth's womb kind of thing. They had a they had a bond even before they were born. And this cousin of his just got beheaded and Jesus needs to grieve. But people are coming to him. Right? They want to hear him teach, and they, they are coming to him for healing and everything. What does he do? He goes to them. Right, he, he needed time to grieve, and yet he put the needs of others first. Yeah, And he's the kind of a leader who washed his disciples' feet, the, one of the dirtiest jobs that, that anybody could do in that culture. He does that for his disciples, and, and then actually tells them very specifically— you ought to do that for one another because I, who am your Lord and teacher, did this for you. Speaking of humility, though, I think it has to go both ways. I think, Absolutely. yes, the leader needs the humility, but also people who follow. I mean, it, we, we're, we live in a culture where it's kind of like being bombastic is a good thing, right? Just flouting the rules is, is cool. and. Yeah. You know, a lot of that kind of comes from the, you know, 60s, you know, rock and roll culture that has kind of, you know, anti um, or disestablishmentarianism or whatever the big fancy word is, you know, like <laughs> yeah, tear yeah. down those current structure, all that kind of stuff. But as much as we would like to think to ourselves that we're all that, we're really not, right? We're the kinds of people, like, just think about this. This is what I sometimes don't get about celebrity culture. Why does it matter that somebody sings so well, and so that when that person says something, it has so much hold on my life. Yeah. I, I honestly think it's because there is a gift of the ability to tap into people's emotions. Mm-hmm. Once an artist has broken down that emotional wall, a person feels seen, a person feels understood. Mm-hmm. And for better or for worse, now they feel de- validated in whatever it is they're going through, mm-hmm. right? And, and so once you've broken that down, it's almost this offering of self. Mm-hmm. I feel like I owe you my presence. I feel like I owe you mm-hmm. my worship. Mm-hmm. We have been designed for worship. We've been designed and created for worship. And what sin did is it, it has manipulated who we worship. We yep. want to, we see these things that are like, man, this, this is a gift. I can't explain it, 
but somehow this is a gift. You know, it's this, I feel so unworthy that I get to hear this, that I get to experience it. And then it builds this, mm -hmm. you know, the, the smart artist builds on this idea of FOMO. It doesn't matter whether you're a Christian or not. You'll hear any artist, listen mm -hmm. to any band, like, man, you guys got to get down here. You got to be here. You don't want to miss this. Da, 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 da. It's that fear mm -hmm. of missing out when, yeah. you know, in reality, I have no idea who you are. I'm just trying to fill seats. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's a really good point. Um, about especially about how we're designed to worship and sometimes our good affections are pointed in the wrong direction yeah. i mean people are not going to put it in those terms necessarily that i am worshiping uh, an artist or things like that but really that's how it boils down from a christian worldview perspective oh, yeah. i think it's a, as much as we'd like to tell ourselves that you know we've got self-determination and all of those kinds of things we're we're actually a lot weaker than we we think <laughs> to ourselves. Yeah. Right? We're easily drawn into because we're just designed that way, right? Yep. And here's another thing that I think is really fascinating, like what you're pointing out there is there's something to be said about incarnation. Right. So for example, um the reason I am so looking forward to this trip that I'm gonna be on, right? Even though it's gonna be filled with, you know, work. But it's going to be, you know, it, and it's also going to be filled with times for community and those kinds of things. Why am I looking forward to all of this? Because I actually get to see you, yeah. right? It's it's not just your likeness that um, that I want. It's your presence, your real presence, yeah. your in flesh and blood presence that that I'm longing for. I mean, anybody could tell you especially in in this during this season of pandemic there's only so much that a screen can give you that's exactly it yeah i want to be there in prince there's something about that i mean i remember i had a bit of a starstruck moment back in 2013 i guess when i just before i started working with andy we had our annual conference and guess who is the keynote speaker it's william lane craig the guy that i've been watching religiously almost <laughs> on YouTube, watching all the debates and, and listening to podcasts and all that kind of stuff. And he was there in person. It's like, wow, here's a real guy, right? Yeah. So I, I understand that need for that incarnational presence in flesh and blood presence. There's something to that. And I think, again, we're designed for that. Well, it, it's, right? it's right back to the garden. It's that community. Mm. All the things that we're seeing is just a manipulation of what God designed, right? We're built for worship and built for community, you know, walking with, with God in the garden, having his physical presence. There is an atmosphere to the presence of God. And then it is not good for man to be alone. So I'm going to create a partner. Now, it's like testimony, right? Not only do I get to experience the presence of God, now I get to share this with someone. There's something mm -hmm. special about that. Why? Like, how many people go to a concert by themselves? No, you, you want to bring at least oh. one person, <laughs> at least, right? At least, yeah. Because you want to share the moment with somebody, just mm -hmm. like you're saying, the, uh, the, the incarnation of it. It's just like, there is yeah. something very, very special about it. And this is why I... There is a level of self-control that still has to be had in that because we can do this in the church too. Some people might serve out of FOMO. I don't want to miss out on what's going on. My church is exciting. We do cool things. So I'm going to serve from that place. It's serving out of, uh, it's serving purely out of zeal and not adoration for what God is doing. And, and that mm -hmm. is just a dangerous place because it's not sustainable.
Yeah, I mean, obviously FOMO, the fear of missing out, can be very, very self-serving, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, there is something to be said about, yeah, I want to I wanna live for something bigger than me. Again, that, I think that is inbuilt. That's, that's innate to us. But we can try to fulfill that in a very self-serving way. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, just on a bit of a tangent, speaking of going to concerts alone, um, I have to confess, when I went to the Linkin Park concert, my very first concert, I was by myself. You were by yourself? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But was that and your first you choice? Th- was that your first choice? Nope, not at all. See, I there we go. There see, you go. Yeah, I would have gone with somebody else, right? So I remember coming back. Everybody was with somebody else. I was by myself. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, this is kind of miserable, right? Because this is when you kind of want to spend time with other people talking about what they saw, what they heard, what they liked and didn't like, all that kind of stuff, right? And here's a really good example. Uh, Another good illustration for my life was when um, I went to visit my mother in Montreal. Now, uh, it was back in 2007, 2008 or something like that. Uh, She happened to be way too busy when I came to visit her. And so, you know, as a kind of way of saying sorry, almost, right, she sent me on on a tour to the Niagara Falls and all that kind of stuff. And so I did. I was by myself. Now, a few years later, I go to visit my mom again in Montreal, but this time with Sharina, my now wife, then fiance. We did spend some time together, but she thought it would be good to send us on a little tour, the same kind of tour. We got to see the Niagara Falls and uh, Quebec City and the old Quebec and old Montreal, all that kind of stuff. Wonderful. Now, mind you, when I went there by myself, it was like July, August. It was beautiful. When I went the second time with Sharina, it was in February in Quebec, right? And literally, we went to Quebec City, and there's like, there's something of an ice storm. There are pellets of ice that are being blown <laughs> in the wind and striking our faces. But and, and I'm like slipping, falling, and we're laughing. But you know what? I'd way rather go there in February with somebody else than by myself in July. Right. There, there's something about sharing right that need for community that really comes out there yeah looking looking at this event looking at artistry looking at leadership it it really comes down to just that right it's 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 people desire community people desire to be together and people are as as we've said before we are designed for worship and so for the believer there there is a level of responsibility that comes with that. And we need to be very mindful of that because it could be manipulated. And, mm-hmm. and I'm speaking specifically to the Christian circles right now, your, you know, your churches, your youth events. You want to create an atmosphere, right? But sometimes we get into this almost cliche setup where it's like, all right, we're going to have this cool thing. And now we're going to have our, uh, we're going to have rah, rah, rah on the first day. We're going to have some teaching in the middle. We're going to have some fun in the middle. And then on the last day, we're going to have this really Holy Ghost moment. We're going to play the pad in E minor and the lights are going to go down. And we, (laughs) you know what I mean? And And it almost feels predictable, right? And, and, and if we're not careful, we call it, the Holy Spirit, when really, if you go to a non-Christian concert, they can do the same thing, right? And it's like, yeah. what is the difference? That is a question that, that comes down to those that are in charge and responsible 
for the moment. What is what is the difference? Well, the difference is bearing fruit from that place. What is going to happen after we have created this atmosphere to teach, to to inspire, to convict, to compel? Because we're supposed we are supposed to do that. We are supposed to create an environment uh, conducive for the Holy Spirit to move. But to say that it can only happen this one way is putting the Holy Spirit in a box, and it is it's dumbing him down. Yeah, I mean, really, if the Holy Spirit wanted to move, he could move anywhere, anytime, in any way that he wants to. Anyway. Right? And so it's almost like we we feel the need to, like, you know, we need to help the Holy Spirit by putting down the E minor pad or... <laughs> I, I like E minor nine even better, right? Like whatever it is, right? Um, and you're right. We we need to be careful not to, just even in the way we do these things, we can instill the wrong ideas and values in people. Yeah. Right. In a sense, we have created this culture of a certain kind of, you know, environment for worship, where the lighting has to be cooler. <laughs> and there's got to be the smoke machine or the Holy Spirit just won't move, right? I'm just right. like, really? Like, how did we, and in some ways as leaders, what are you going to do? Are you going to keep feeding that by doing that? Or are we going to take responsibility and say, you know, yeah, this is cool, you know, to do it this way with smoke machines and all. Like, I'm not against that. But you need to understand that this is not all there is. Exactly. If this doesn't bear fruit, you're at the risk of emptying this worship of all its meaning. Yeah. It's not saying don't have the lights. It's not speaking yeah. against the smoke machines. But that is not a prerequisite for God to move. So maybe uh, mm-hmm. maybe there's a listener on here. You're a small church and you're trying to figure out, okay, how can we get more uh, young people? How can we get more engagement? Get in your word, get in prayer, and ask the Lord what your community needs and stay there. Yeah. Don't look to the world for your, for, your, for your cues as to how to create a, an environment. But at the same time, don't be so afraid to see what other things are, are, are being done. And it's like, Lord, I, I really like mm-hmm. these lights. Okay, well, I don't think it's going to be a salvation situation for you to have light, have lights or not, or chairs or pews. Don't let that split your church. Don't do that. But it, again, it's just it just comes back down to your, your foundation. The, the The Holy Spirit is enough. the The Word of God mm-hmm. is enough, and that is is ultimately what we're trying to say today. And and the truth of the matter is, is when we get into these, when we're in our positions of leadership, the Word says. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap, if we do not give up. And so what is good? Well, that God is the standard. Christ is the standard. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That is our standard. Anything below that is not meeting the mark. And so your relationship with God, it's like, Lord, I, I, I feel like I'm a leader. Or or I desire to lead your people. Maybe you're in a position of leadership already. Great. Wonderful. But it starts Mm -hmm. with humility. A great leader, as the quote always says, is a great follower. But who you follow is incredibly important. Like I have spiritual leaders in my life. I have pastors in my life. I have uh, spiritual fathers in my life. And the reason I follow them is because when I come to them with a grievance, I come to them with a 
a, a wrestle, a struggle, or even an idea, they point me to the Word of God. They point me to my relationship with Christ, first and foremost. They'll say, well, have you, have you gotten in the Word about it? Or they'll direct me to what the Word says about it if it's very blatant. And then we can have more practical conversations from, from there. it's not helpful to get an echo chamber of people that are just going to prop you up like, Oh, you're the man. And that's not saying that I don't carry value, but it's recognizing where my value comes from. If you're a young leader, then you have been challenged with the understanding of biblical leadership and that sort of thing. We have in February coming up the leadership summit at Sasquatch mountain. It's going to be an amazing time of equipping, challenging and encouraging Christian leaders, whether you're in a position of leadership or you aspire to do that, you can go to our website at apologeticcanada.com slash events and look under the Leadership Summit. Apply. There'll be some questions. We'll be asking you who you are, what you do, what your desire is. And it, it is an opportunity for you to better understand. Maybe it's Maybe it's a gifting thing. Maybe it's a practical thing. We would love to have the opportunity to 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 pour into the next generation and maybe hear something from the the next generation that we as as leaders haven't thought about there is an application process though yes and so i would encourage you to jump on it now um and not wait too long yes yep spots are are limited pending uh (laughs) covid restrictions and all those sorts of things um but uh we, we, we are excited to be able to, to put something like that on. I pray that this podcast today challenged you uh, and encouraged you. Again, we will stress accountability and leadership is crucial because those that are following you, some people will go off a cliff with you and we need to be pointing them in the right direction. So we continue to pray for the lives and the families that have been affected by the Astroworld event. We pray for yeah. Travis Scott. We continue to pray for repentance over his life that he would come to the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is, that he is Lord, and in an act of worship, he would submit to him. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. The AC Podcast is a ministry of Apologetics Canada. Make sure to like and subscribe on all of your favorite streaming platforms. Interact with us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. If you wanted to get a hold of us, something sparked a conversation, you can send us an email at info at apologeticscanada.com. We will get back to you as best we can or point you in the right direction. As always, love God, love people. Bye for now.